God has a purpose for our life bigger than what we understand, and sometimes He will allow us to walk through difficulty, pain, or even loss to show His power and His redemption and restoration in our life. So sometimes He will even sacrifice our comfort for the sake of the character He wants to build in us. Recently, uh, at Vertical, Mary Lynch shared her story of that truth, of how God used a very difficult time in her life to develop something deeper within her. So today, we're going to take a deeper dive into that story. Husband James is joining us. We'll get his perspective as well. So I appreciate you joining with us today. Feel free to like and subscribe and share this story today. So uh, Mary told her story in a service uh, that you can go back and find on our YouTube channel called Trust Issues. And in that, Mary told her story of being diagnosed with cancer and then how God worked in her to heal that cancer, but more importantly, heal something else. And this is where we're taking the deeper dive today. So Mary, just to help us have perspective and and, uh, context today, take us back to what happened, this little scenario of a couple of years, I guess it was, where, or a year and a half maybe, where God uh, walked you through this this process. You feel, so start with uh, diagnosis of cancer and walk us through just overview quickly of your story. Okay. Um, so December of 2021, I went in for a routine mammogram. Um, and so <clears throat> within a couple of days, you know, they called me back and, uh, you know, said that there was a, a suspicious area that they wanted to do some more testing on. So within a few days, I went back in and um, through that particular, uh, you know, battery of tests, they decided that they needed to do an ultrasound. Um, And then they decided that I needed to have a biopsy at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, So after the biopsy, that was December 20th, um, I got a call back on December 27th Mm. saying that it was, um, malignant. Mm. It was, I was told that it was a rare form, Mm. the rarer form of breast cancer. Um, it's lobular carcinoma, which only affects about 5% of women compared to ductal carcinoma. Um, so, you know, I, I, um, was obviously yeah this is right around christmas this is right around christmas so of course you know i'd ask them you know please don't call and Mm -hmm. give me any results until i can get through christmas at least with my family and so they honored that and um so this was december 27th that they called to tell me this news um of course for me it was just um it was a big shock Mm -hmm. um Breast cancer does not run in the family. Mm-hmm. I really just, you know, was very much taken off guard. Right. Um, so then once they, you know, gave me the diagnosis, you know, I started to immediately start looking for mm-hmm. treatment options um, and just kind of filtering through all of that, um, getting his opinion on right. kind of where to go from there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you you come up on a treatment plan mm-hmm. and um, that's uh, non-traditional yes. and uh, that takes you uh, forward in time to a, a, a different set of circumstances that actually is where God is going to do a great work in you. Yes. So uh, give us an overview of what that treatment plan looked like. 
Well, um, because of um, another family member that had um, been diagnosed with cancer about five years prior, you know, I, I mention this because it's important because I know this journey that I was on was far, went far, way far back then just where it started with me going in for a mammogram. Right. You know, there was many things that God set up for me along the way hmm. that, of course, at that time I had no idea. But um, I started looking into integrative medicine. Okay. Um, people ask what that is, and it's basically just the concept of balancing science with nature okay. um, to do um, less harm to the body through the process of, of getting rid of the cancer. So hmm. what... Um, through that process and just the knowledge that I had gained five, five years prior and then a little bit even along the way, mm -hmm. um, the algorithm, you know, that I was seeing on my, you know, Twitter or, you know, any, any kind of media like that, you know, started to become um, more educational towards that way of um, healing cancer. Right. So um, anyway, through my research and, you know, just talking with James about what I wanted to do, what, what I felt like the direction I should go was, um, there were a few places here in the Metroplex mm -hmm. that did integrative medicine. Um, and then there was a place in Mesa, Arizona that also, um, provided, um, a little bit more of an extensive, uh, style, um, recovery and treatment. Okay. Um, so of course, you know, I didn't want to leave my family. Yeah. I didn't, you know, this is a big step, you know, right. you're picking up everything that you know, you're, you're, you're walking away from everything that you know, everything that you're comfortable with your family and moving away to States, mm. you know, and going to be bunkering down yeah. for, you know, a good six, seven weeks. Yeah. Um, so and any treatment plan is, is difficult to walk through for, sure. for cancer. This one for you, like mm -hmm. you said, is going to take you out of uh, your comfort and yes. out of uh, out of a controlled environment that yes. you are that yeah. you like. Yes, because there, like <laughs> I said, would. there were places in the Metroplex I could have went to, but I mean, again, I know mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. <clears throat> that God didn't give me any. I, I didn't feel settled. I didn't feel any peace. Mm. It was just um, just unsettling in my spirit and that to go to any of these places, the Metroplex, I didn't feel right. peace about that. I kept mm. being drawn towards this place in Mesa. Mm. And, um, so then we made, you know, the final decision to head that way. Mm. Okay. So, uh, spoiler alert, she, uh, she goes, they both go mm -hmm. and they go through the treatment process and they come away at the end with a report of you're clear of yes. cancer. Yes. So that's a powerful story in of itself. <clears throat> but where we do a little bit deeper dive today is in what you described in the in your story as God was healing a different cancer in me. Yes. Something in my spirit and my own soul. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned in that when you shared your story that part of this was a process of releasing control mm -hmm. oh, of yes. uh, of letting go of a grip on life and you mentioned that there was even <clears throat> some events that happened earlier in your life that caused you to come to that place of where you felt like i need to take control mm -hmm. i think everybody can relate to that that there's there are events in our life where they're painful they're difficult and we want to 
not go through that again. So we sometimes will grab a hold of life and say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let this happen again. I will take control. So to help us with uh, context here, because again, this is what this is where the healing really occurs for you, the yes. deeper healing. Help us understand a little bit more about what, what were some of those things that happened that caused you to say, I will take control of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I will run this, mm-hmm. this ship. What were some of those events? <clears throat> well, um, you know, it kind of started just from a little, you know, being a child, um, living at home. I, um, I, was in a, in, I was in an environment that was just uh, very unstable, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, in many ways and for many reasons. Um, my uh, father was... Um, he had a he had a problem with alcohol for mm. a, a, a time in in my life. Um, he, uh, you know, there was just a lot of uh, volatile moments in our mm. home. Um, you know, uh, and he he owned, what he did was his his livelihood. He managed restaurants, and so he was out of town a lot. Okay. Um, he wasn't very present in the home, but when he was, it could be a little tricky with mm. you know, um, just uh, there was some physical abuse Mm -hmm. um there was not not to me um you know there was just a lot Mm -hmm. of things that went on that caused me to feel extremely nervous Mm -hmm. as a child insecure um and you're not an only child i'm not no i actually have eight siblings um so but a lot of them i was the i'm the i'm the baby and i came along way later in life for my mother so most of them had already gotten married or Mm. when a couple of them went to the military so you know there were only you know at my earliest memory you know, it was probably four or five years old. And really, I only had two siblings that were mm. around at that time. The others had already kind of walked, okay. walked off into their into their lives. And so, um, but yeah, there was just a lot of stuff going on where alcohol was concerned, mm. um, even some, uh, you know, drug use. Um, and so it was very just unsettling for me as a child to witness those things. And so what came about was, you know, as a little girl and then getting up into my teen years, for sure, Mm -hmm. um, it became a a feeling of, you know, the bottom would always drop out. Mm -hmm. Something was always going to happen to cause turmoil. And so for me, I, I went to not cowering down as much as, okay, I'm going to try to just control everything around me that I possibly can. um, Because again, there was so much that I couldn't control. So Mm -hmm. it just kind of stirred up in me this, this, this just, I mean, anxiety and all kind of feelings of just trying to control my environment. Yeah. Um, So you you mentioned this idea that there's, for you, you kind of developed this mindset of, okay, well, always something bad is going to happen. Yeah. The, you know, the, mm-hmm. the shoe is going to drop, the bottom is going to fall out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> something terrible is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that, that begins to kind of be your perspective on life. If there's anything, if there's anything good that happens, there's going to be <laughs> something negative that follows, right? Yeah, is that kind pretty of pretty much? And, and, and that's kind of the way it, it did. I mean, yeah. you know, through, um, you know, like I said, w- with all of that going on with my father, um, you know, when I was a teenager later, like, you know, 16, 17, you know, I, 
I found out about, you know, some, my mother and I found out about some <clears throat> other children and mm. families that he had, uh, wow. uh, because eventually my father ended up owning these restaurants. So he actually moved to Oklahoma. Hmm. So he wasn't at that point living in the house really at all. I think he would come home like once a month or something like that to visit, but hmm. otherwise, um, he wasn't really present. And so, um, all of these other things were going on on the side. Um, and then, you know, just to kind of go off of what you were just saying, mm-hmm. um, when I was 22, well, actually I was 20, 20, my okay. mother was diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm. Um, her and I had a very, very close, you know, relationship and, um, she passed away when I was 22. Wow. Um, you know, just to, you know, fast forward, um, that was in 97 and 99, my brother was tragically killed. Um, and you know, a few I've lost four siblings, um, since 97, um, from just tragic events. Yeah. So So this begins to be a way that you're, you kind of process through life that something bad is going to happen and therefore I am going to control my environment as much as I can. Which is crazy, right? Because what was I controlling? (laughs) I mean, was it working for you? (laughs) I mean, all these things were happening. It's just this false sense of, of just, you know, keep it together, you know, like you were just waiting. I I was just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. So my guard's always up. I'm always tense. I'm always tight. I'm always in just complete and total turmoil, which came out in my relationships. Mm. Um, Yeah. So you watch, I'm sure this begins to play out into your teen years, early twenties and stuff. Oh yes. What are some ways that you see that happening through those years? Just, man, I've, you know, just keeping people arm's length apart, Mm. uh, you know, away, I should say. I, you know, especially so, you know, I meet James when I'm, you know, almost 17. Um, And so, you know, through even the process of dating and engagement and marriage, that is really where it played out the most. Mm. And I, and I jumped to that because yes, it did affect my early, my preteen and early teen years, but, um, or mid teen years. But you know, that was just in really guarding my heart Mm. away from people Mm -hmm. and allowing myself to really, um, trust or to, um, just be, a hundred percent personable, Yeah, you know, it just yeah. always just was kind of looking for that next bad thing to happen. Mm. And, um, yeah, it just, it kind of just played out that way yeah. for sure. Now it doesn't, it doesn't bring you to a place where you isolate and stay away from people because you're out, you go to church, you're doing things, sure. but mm-hmm. throughout this process from what you're describing, it's more of I'm guarded, I'm protective of everything. I've mm-hmm. kind of, I'm kind of walls up. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't want anyone to see the depth of what's going on inside mm-hmm. and I'm protecting myself. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was definitely considered an extrovert. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there was for sure that, that aspect of myself, but see, I think that even just with a lot of people for a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. what you see on the outside is oh. not what's going on on the inside. Yeah, exactly. And so, so for me, it was like, oh sure. I was <clears throat> considered friendly and, and caring and all these different things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and those things weren't necessarily not genuine. It's just that on the inside, I was like, what's the agenda uh-huh. or, 
you know, it was just never a point of being able to just enjoy mm. life mm. or enjoy any aspect of anything. And it wasn't because necessarily that other people were doing wrong towards me. Right. It was just because <clears throat> it was just a, it was just a habit. Yeah. It just became this like ingrained thing in me yeah. to just be a ball of tightness all the time. Wow. Does it even make you uh, get to the place where you're, uh, you have this suspicion of everybody's motives. And, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And, and kind of a... And, and, <laughs> we'll get to you, James. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. So suspicious, but that then maybe even already concluding in your mind that their motives are bad. Yeah. You know, I will admit, and, I, I, and you know, I still struggle, you know, with this. Mm. Um, not near as much, with, especially in the last couple of years, God has really healed so much in me mm-hmm. that I know where to put that now. Mm-hmm. I know where to go. Mm-hmm. I know what to say to myself. But, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know. I, I was, I just overthought everything. Yeah. I mean, to exhaustion. Hmm. What did that person mean when they said that? Hmm. What is their true motive? What, you know, did I, and I always, oh gosh, to just like, (laughs) what do they mean by that? You know, did I, or, you know, playing in my head, did I say something wrong? Or, I mean, it just, it was so exhausting just to sit there and replay every conversation you ever had with anyone and wonder what their motive was. And, you know, it's just like, I, I really never could just relax and just yeah. you know enjoy a relationships because I'm always overthinking overthinking yeah and I would even go to him and say remember when this person said that what do you think he's <laughs> what do you think he or she meant by that and he's right. like uh I don't think they meant anything I think they just yeah. meant what they said so yeah. anyway it was just scenarios like that all right let's bring James into the conversation because James you meet Mary when she's young mm-hmm. and you date and you fall in love with her to the point that you obviously get married and right. still together so do you see some of this playing out in her life uh, as as a young teen and and the one you're dating and falling in love with? Yeah, so I, I was I was 18, so I was still very young uh, and immature. And uh, you know, I through our dating years, I just saw it as she was really feisty. You yeah. know, uh, we had a you know, we fought a lot. You know, and even to the point that a lot of our friends were wondering why we were getting married because all we did ever did was fight uh-huh. and or argue and um but you know we we worked through all of that and uh you know it really didn't it really didn't show up to me where where it was clearly recognizable uh until gosh the first 4 years of our marriage was were were pretty volatile and chaotic hmm. uh very volatile and chaotic okay uh a lot of emotional, passionate fighting, just mm. uh, arguing, yelling, mm. just ridiculous. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of young couples go through that. Sure, but, sure. but ours was on another level. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was yeah. another level. Yeah. And not to yeah. put it all on Mary again. No, no, just about 90% of it. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no you know, she would, uh, as she would say, she would, uh, her mind would go places and, uh, it would end up in a fight, and I was again too young and immature to recognize what it was, and did mm-hmm. not respond properly, and that mm-hmm. just escalated things exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, not understanding fully yet what she's been through, mm-hmm. uh, the pain and the heartache, the things that she couldn't control, 
all the negativity in her life up to that point. Yeah. You know, I really wanted to be, uh, I really wanted to be the, the one that, mm-hmm. that brought her out of that. Yeah. You know, sure. Uh, that was a mistake to think that way, but mm. the, the intentions were good. Yeah. You want to um, be the rescuer and yeah, sure. You know, who doesn't? Yeah. And, and, uh, Ends up, I just ultimately needed to get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) But I I will say this, um, even though uh, being young and immature, uh, God still spoke to me, you know, back there, 19 or 20, 21, 22 years old. Mm -hmm. In the first, uh, we got married at 20 and 18. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and he always just, and I never knew why or or anything, but he just, he just kept telling me patience, Mm -hmm. just wait. Just wait, just mm. wait. So I just, you know, as hard as it was to go through that with somebody that you love mm-hmm. and just being lost and bewildered and blindsided and mm. uh, just having that word just just to wait, yeah. is, this is all going to be worth it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, that's hard because uh, you, you don't have a time frame. You don't yeah, have, well, when? You, sure. know, when, you know, you just, but you just have to make a decision. Uh, largely based on the word that you're receiving from, mm-hmm. from God is mm-hmm. if you say, wait, I'm just going to wait, yeah. you know, and, and try, I mean, you, you, you try to understand, you try to respond better, you try to deescalate. Right. Um, but gosh, it's, it's so hard not to get offended and yeah. then, and then, you know, respond in kind. Yeah. So Mary, you remember those years, I guess. I do. And they were difficult. <clears throat> they were. And <clears throat> I mean, you know, I, I walked through that time just kind of with this preemptive strike on everything. Mm. I mean, like with him, it was just <clears throat> like I loved him. Yeah. I knew that he loved me. He'd have had to. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I just always questioned his motive. I always, mm. I was in this place where you're not going to control me. Mm. I'm going to let you, you know, I'm going to put all that out there right now where you know that there's no, there, you know, if you walk out of line based Mm. on what I was used to in my own bringing up, if you walk out of line, if you get out of these lines and I'm going to make you pay kind of thing and I'm just going to be horrendous. Wow. Yeah. And just, um, you know, and again, it's just the irony in all of it, you know, as I look back on everything, is that you, first of all, I was working against myself because mm-hmm. what I was hoping to accomplish <laughs> was actually, it was going the you opposite were, direction. Causing it. What well, was causing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, also just the fact that, you know, I mean, all these things yeah. that I wish had not been in my life, yep. you know, that, that caused me to get to where I was. Yeah. You know, I was then now, now I'm the one imp- wow. putting that on mm. someone else mm. and other people. So it, it just, it's crazy how those things work. Yeah. So I think in other conversations we've had is kind of this idea of uh, <laughs> you've got walls up, but you've also got knives out. You're, yes. you're, you're protecting what's inside, but you also are attacking so that you can protect and control the yes. events of your life. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. just, it felt, it felt. It was a false security. Yeah, yeah. So during all this time, uh, you're a believer because you come to Christ at an early age, right? Mm-hmm. Young 11 teen. years old. Yeah. And and you're in church some of that time. Mm-hmm. But 
as you're walking through all of this now and it's starting to play out, you, you've talked about how that begins to affect your view of faith and, and church especially. Mm-hmm. So um, you eventually make a decision about that. Talk mm-hmm. about that uh, moment where you, you say, I'm walking away mm-hmm. from all this stuff. Well, I think it's important to to say that, yes, I did become a Christian at 11. Um, mm-hmm. I was involved in a church <clears throat> with my mother back. Uh, we, I grew up in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we went to church and, and you know, all those in and started sharing that together, my mother mm-hmm. and I. And then eventually a sister and her husband started coming. And, you know, I the church that I went to was a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm very legalistic very very legalistic in the way of like it's performance based and if you don't do this or if you Mm -hmm. do do this right you know god's hammering down on you yeah you know yeah um and you know that was just uh that also just kind of inside of me just bred this these feelings of you know just kind of bucking yep. authority, yeah. so to speak, yeah. and it was it was just kind of like it was it was harsh environment, yeah, very and 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 just fighting constantly in the church among the staff and wow. the pastor, and it was just it was insanity. Wow. Um, so then uh, there was a there was a time of transition mm-hmm. that um, Wayne and Carol Hamilton came yeah. to that church because they were interim uh, youth minister because the other okay. one had just up and quit okay. and then they through knowing them and then them taking us to Ovilla Road I started going us meaning the youth mm-hmm. group there mm-hmm. I started going and attending hmm. Ovilla Road, which is yeah. where I met you. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, that was just a breath of fresh air for mm. me. I mean, you know, Brother Nick's teaching and just so much that was just so different about that whole environment. Right. Um, but then even through the process of a lot of things going on there, there was, an ev- there was another um, evolving into even more of a greater... Um, taking away from the whole legalistic aspect of things mm-hmm. into, you know, God's grace. Right. Um, and you know, that sort of thing, but to get to the, so we were, you know, in church and mm-hmm. at this point, by the way, you know, I've got a family. I mean, yeah. we have children, right. um, we're living, you know, back here and, um, and you know, I just really enjoyed the, the transition of mm-hmm. all these different phases that we went through um, with churches. But right. here's a problem. The, the problem started where it was because of all of these things that were ingrained in me mm-hmm. from a young child through my experiences at home and then also my experiences in church. Right kind of led me to still have this performance oriented relationship mm-hmm. towards God and with God. Yeah. And so you know, at the time when I'm raising my children, this is mid nineties. This is when, um, and I'm not saying in every church, but yep. particularly where I was and yep. the people that were in my social circle, there was just a lot of ideas that weren't bad ideas. It was wonderful, right. but it wasn't anything that I was, you know, feeling, uh, in tune with. It was very foreign to me based on right. the way that I grew up. And so there was just a lot of, um, pressure to be away or say the right things or do yep. the right things all the time time that just eventually led me into I can't do this Mm. I don't want to do this yes throw my hands up and walk away yeah which 
ultimately mean, meant me, yeah. our family, not even really attending church anymore. Wow. So yeah. uh, the pressure inside and then the walls yeah. up and yeah. the feeling of I can't, I can't measure up mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to control the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't like what this is. So I'm kind of done. I'm walking away. Yeah. Is where it's, you get. It was too, it was too much. It felt too much for me at the time to yeah. keep up this mm-hmm. appearance, to do all these things. And I think this will lead us into the next is yeah. that towards that time frame mm-hmm. of before I said that's an I'm done yeah. was that fact that I had, um, we, we started to, uh, socially, drink mm-hmm. um and that and and that's a that's a big part of it because that's when at least for me mm-hmm. you know the bible says that everything's permissible not everything is beneficial <laughs> right. and so this is not a speech about you know alcohol in general and right. for all people i'm telling my personal story which yep. is that um me allowing um even social drinking it it escalated into more and more and more exceptions mm-hmm. to the rule and boundaries crossed and different things like that that right. while i was still in church and doing all these things i started those ha- those habits mm-hmm. that made me feel more and more withdrawn mm. and then and then uh, that was when the cutoff happened, you wow. know, through that process. Yeah. So you, you, you begin to kind of pursue a social life then mm-hmm. that has alcohol mm-hmm. yes. involved in it. Both of you do. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of where you go. Yeah. Um, is there, is there relief down this path for you? A false yeah, that's right. sense of relief. I mean, right. you know, I know that now. Um, yeah. But then, yes, yeah, it felt it very felt freeing like, to um, just not think or worry about all the pressures of <clears throat> holding up this, you know, facade. I guess right. of of who I should be, who people thought I should have been, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this is all bringing us to a place where God is arranging events and circumstances. Now comes the diagnosis of cancer, and you choose this treatment plan. And it's going to take you to this place where God is going to really bring you to where you have no control. It's ultimately yes. where we're headed. Yeah. And it's going to bring you to a place of great difficulty, again, as most treatment plans for cancer do. Mm-hmm. Um So that we all understand this process, give us an overview of what that's like, because it's going to affect you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. God's going to use it for good here, but it's going to bring you to a place of, of the end of yourself, the end of controlling everything, Mm -hmm. running life on your own. So Mm -hmm. talk about what this treatment plan is like and how it prepares you for this new thing that God does. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I've already said, we left for uh, Mesa, Arizona on uh, February 27th of that year of of 22. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, you know, we get there and, you know, I, again, this whole time I'm traveling, we're traveling and even the weeks kind of leading up to us leaving, you know, God's starting to work on my spirit. Mm -hmm. Like he's really starting to, you know, again, I started, you know, I started listening to worship music. Mm. Um, I needed this sense of peace in my life. And it was like, that's where, like, I knew right. where to draw that from. Yeah. Like I'd been in church. <laughs> I knew yeah. where to get that sense of peace mm-hmm. and 
comfort. Um, and so I, I started to listen to worship music that led me into opening my Bible mm. and starting to read, read again on a daily basis and praying and asking God mm. for, you know, direction and peace and all these different things. And, and so, um, leading up to us, the, the first week that we were there, I uh, was encouraged by a friend mm -hmm. to start journaling, okay. uh, my thoughts down mm -hmm. and, and all that, you know, cause it was, uh, just, you know, she's like, that's going to help you a lot to get those, even write your prayers out. Wow. Like if it's too difficult for you to express, like, first yeah. of all, God knows what you need <laughs> before you say it. But right. so, um, I, we, we got through the first week and it was a more of an orientation type of style, but you know, even that was just absolutely just horrible because yeah. you're getting PET scans and you're mm -hmm. waiting for, you know, the results from that. So you're just boggled up inside and just a tight knot of like, mm -hmm. okay, has it spread? Yeah. You know, you're finding out more information about <laughs> right. what's actually going on inside. Um, you know, and then, you know, you have a port put in and, you know, it's just, it was just a, it was just such and an excruciating you're, and time. And you're away from home. And I'm away from home. I'm yeah. away from my kids. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this first week has just crawled mm. by. I still have six more weeks of this. And by the way, I thought that it was just going to be six weeks. Mm. I thought the first day of treatment or the first day there was like my first day of treatment. Right. No, no, no. Wow. They then informed me, no, this is seven weeks that you're going to be here. And I'm mm. like, Oh my gosh. So that just added to it. Like, yep. you know, <clears throat> and so because the first few weeks there a week felt like a month. Mm. And so, you know, I'm going through all these emotions of, okay, I just, I cannot believe this. Like it's only been three days and I'm just missing home. I'm missing mm. my family. Like, you know, I'm just going through all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so then they start the, the treatments and you know, so just to kind of explain, mm. I'm going through this, this, this treatment plan where they, uh, treat you primarily with food. Okay. okay? So I'm eating about 800 to a thousand <laughs> calories a day of mm. raw food, Wow. vegetables, minimal fruit, nuts, etc. Okay. Okay. So, you know, mm -hmm. I had kind of started that process anyway before I left because I found out what their protocol was. So I was trying to do my best to kind of work myself up to that. Right. But this was like totally, I mean, this was like a whole nother level mm -hmm. of being hungry right. kind of thing. Right. And so, you know, there's a calorie deficiency going on there mm -hmm. where I'm hungry. I'm, you know, you're detoxing, you've got yep. headaches, you're, you know, and that you know, that in itself can cause you to be more, uh, vulnerable in your emotions, mm. um, missing home. Yep. Uh, and then I start the, the harder treatments. Well, mm. I say I start it, it, the treatment started to affect me yeah. more, the longer the time went on. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you go through part of the treatment process that is, um, every week. It's the most difficult of it talk yes. about that for just a moment um the most difficult one so it was um so it's 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 a treatment called hyperthermia okay. um hyperthermia is mm -hmm. heat okay. um they explained to me that this particular treatment it was you know the most um crucial against cancer because it reaches cancer stem cells but the process you know mm. they're telling me all the good stuff and i'm yeah. like yeah 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 throw Let's the kitchen it. sink at it but then, you know, they're saying, okay, so what we're going to do is, you know, you put, you're put in this chamber, mm. um, you know, arms, you know, you're in it 
uh, your head's the only thing out um, of the chamber. And so you're laying there and it's kind of over you and that, you know, the goal is to get your internal body temperature to 105 degrees. Wow. But the problem is, is you're in there for six hours. Now, your internal temperature is not 105 degrees for six hours. But what they do is they they heavily sedate you as much as possible to keep you as comfortable as possible. Mm and then they heat you up for two hours. Mm. Uh, they and then once you reach that internal temperature that they want, right? They keep you there for two hours at that temperature, and then they have to cool the body down. So there's another two hours where they have to get your body temperature back down to Ooh. a safe temperature to be able to release you from the chamber because lots of different things could happen that wouldn't be good yeah um so that was just yeah i mean i think about times i've been sick and had fever not ever 105 but when i've had fever it's a miserable feeling yeah i can't imagine being at 105 and then going through that process Mm -hmm. I, i guess you're feeling sick through that whole thing well, so I, you know, the first two hours, you know, it's kind of like you, you are comfortable enough mm-hmm. to be in kind of a twilight, you yeah. know, where you're sedated, where you're comfortable, you're able to sleep and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But the closer your internal temperature is getting yeah. to 105, you, you're not necessarily sick as much as panic sets in. You mm. wake up and you can't move. You can't get out of this situation and you are claustrophobic you wake up in a panic of like i can't breathe it's so because it's just so hot and so it just um would take your breath away and so then you're trying to fight to get out but you know of course they have people there monitoring you and everything you know and they they're they're praying with you they're trying to talk you down you know Mm. back to you know uh like remember your why and praying with us and all that kind of thing and so, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was by far the hardest yeah. thing that I did treatment wise when and I was there. this happens once every week, Correct. right? Yes. How in the world does someone who's trying to control <laughs> and not like to be out of control, how do you deal with that? You know, that was one of the things that, that God used, um, amongst many other things where okay so i wanted the cancer gone Mm -hmm. i wanted to be healthy Mm -hmm. i wanted to come home be Mm -hmm. with my children move on with life and so that is where i started releasing Mm. now not fully yeah but little bits at a time i started to i was going to god god i mean i was I was just praying and saying, God, I, this is so hard. This mm-hmm. is so hard for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give up on this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, cause they can't force you to do those things. I mean, right. you know, if you told them you weren't going to, then they say, okay, well, let's move on to the next thing. Right. But I just, I was like, God, I just, I want to go home. I want to see my family. I want to be done with this. Please give me the strength. Mm. N- not ever saying this is out of my control, mm-hmm. but just, God, give me the strength, give me the resolve, give me what I need to be able to get through this, you Mm -hmm. know, and, you know, I had James having people back here 
praying for me on mm-hmm. those on those particular days. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, which that treatment made every ever the treatment that I was going through, which yeah. the other ones did make me very sick, nauseous, throwing up, no appetite, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And so, you know, um, but that one, I mean, but that was, I mean, easy compared yeah. to this particular this part. treatment. Yeah. So James, what's it like? You're there. You're not here at home. You're out there with her. And you're watching because you can't even be there for all of those treatments, at least in the room. Right. What is it like knowing she's going through that and watching her as she comes back to you each day, seeing her walking through so much struggle and stress? It's excruciating because uh, you felt you know powerless. Mm-hmm. You can't help. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, the, the only thing you can do in that situation uh, is be quiet, listen. Mm-hmm. Try to understand mm-hmm. and be supportive, mm-hmm. uh, which was a little bit easier for me, uh, honestly, because of the um, the courage and strength that Mary mm-hmm. showed up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the determination yeah. was quite impressive. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of sat back and clearly knew God was, God was leading somewhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was going to be the result that it was in complete spiritual and physical healing. Yeah. Um, but I, I had assumed so, but I, yeah. you know, you just don't yeah. know. Yeah. There's, there's kind of the fear of the Lord there where right. you're, it's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this yeah. and what it means uh, for me and for Mary and, and, mm-hmm. and our family. So uh, it was very, very difficult to watch uh, on those particular days, which were, which was every Thursday. Mm. Uh, I had to have her, at the clinic by seven and then pick her up at four Mm. and I knew what they were doing and, and just the thought of it was crazy. As a matter of fact, no no one else in the clinic can do, could do it. They would all try it and say, Nope, I can't do it. Uh, There was one other man uh, who was there, uh, an engineering genius actually. Mm. And he, he was the only one in the clinic that would, that would do it. Mary was the only other one. And uh, that's how difficult it was. Yeah. So are you getting like text updates during the day, or do you have? I any- actually am. the The nurse that oversaw Mary through the hyperthermia treatment was incredible. Hmm. Just absolutely fantastic. Very. Uh, I mean, it just fit the description of the nurse. If you had to have a nurse, mm-hmm. this is the one you wanted to have. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and she would. She would send me updates. Mm-hmm. She's doing great. You know. Or sometimes, well, she we. We had a little issue. She, you know, she was uh, woke up in a little bit of a panic, you know, but Mm. uh, everything's fine. We got her, we got her Mm. redetermined. Mm. And so, you know, when I would pick her up, uh, she would be covered in, she would look like somebody just, like she just got out of the shower. You know, they would make her also wear, uh, not just being in the the infrared chamber, but uh, they would also make her wear wool socks, wool gloves, and sweats Mm. inside there. So, uh, she came out just drenched with, mm. with sweat, and uh, and they would have to wheelchair her out wow. because of the sedation, and help her in the into the vehicle, and then I'd mm. have to get her home and try to feed her, and mm. you know, she'd be stone cold asleep by seven o'clock wow. p.m. So, uh, yeah, it was it was hard, man. It was uh, it was we were very determined. Uh, to beat this, mm-hmm. very determined to 
follow, listen and follow to God's leading and direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our focus was totally physical. Yeah. Physical healing. Yeah. You know, obedience, yeah. faith, physical healing. Yeah. That's where we were headed. Right. In our minds. And I think he got that. He got to those way faster than I did. <laughs> the, yeah. oh, the, the first two. Yeah. I yeah. was at first focused on the physical healing. Right. Like I had not gotten to that point yet hmm. where the reality of the situation was that God allowed hmm. this particular situation in my life okay. to heal me, yep. not from physical not from the physical cancer, right. um, but he he used that situation yep. to heal me spiritually to in the in the areas that wow. that I needed spiritual healing, mm. and I, you know, he 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 got to these conclusions. I, I feel like not necessarily maybe for me personally, but right. for himself, right? And kind of the direction of everything where everything was going, he mm-hmm. he came to these conclusions much quicker than I did. I think. Wow. But he didn't share these things with me. Mm. He was very quiet through this whole process of mm-hmm. just allowing me to deal with those things. And again, hindsight, I know that God kept him silent mm. because God needed me to only hear his voice. Yeah. Mm. And so it was just, um, just everything happening between the two of us, Yeah, you know, um, on an individual basis and then between us, you mm-hmm. know, relationally, mm-hmm. um, man was just wow, really cool. To- so you described in your story that you reached this point mm-hmm. in the treatment process later into it where there's a morning where God meets with you mm-hmm. and there becomes this moment of, um, of surrender. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the way you described it, it's in this moment that every hurt from the past, the trauma, all the wanting to control and protect, all the walls up, knives out, that and God's grace all comes together this one morning Mm -hmm. for you. Talk about that morning, what that was like. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah. So, you know, um, through the process of this time that I'm there, I start thinking about things actually Mm -hmm. that had happened to me along the path of my life. Hmm. And I remember having a woe is me moment mm. where, and I even actually said this to him. I said it actually before we left for treatment. And then in, you know what, in, in the middle of treatment, I did not say it to him. I was just thinking it like, okay, God, I'm miserable. Like, haven't I been through enough? Wow. Haven't, I'm, I'm done dealing with this. I'm, I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, it was a moment of like, haven't I been through enough? Hasn't there been enough tragedy? Hasn't mm-hmm. there been enough heartache? Hasn't there been enough? Wow. All the things. Yep. And so, you know, I'm going through these motions back and forth where it's like, you know, praying to God, relying on God, feeling this definite, um, pull yep. and pull and release yeah. actually. Wow. Um, but I'm going back and forth in my mind because yeah. <clears throat> the enemy sees where God's trying to send me here. Yeah. Okay. The enemy knows what yep. is going on and he's yep. trying as best he can to keep me focused on the negative mm. and not what God's trying to do in my life. Mm. 
And so there was this one morning. So, you know, all this is going on in the background. Okay. And so I had just come to the end of myself and, but I, but that this was the morning of a hyperthermia morning. Um, so I would get up super early and I would have a, you know, I had a devotional book that my sister-in-law gave me and I was so thankful for that. And Shout out to Jenny Lynch. Yes. All right. (laughs) And so I'm reading that every morning and God is just really, oh man, just softening my heart and just giving me so much comfort Mm. and peace. And it was like every single devotion, every single day was exactly what I needed to hear. Wow. Before sometimes I even knew I needed to hear it. Like mm. it was something that would happen later on that day that I would look back and go, Oh my goodness. Wow. I read that in the devotional this yeah. morning and that was the scripture I read. So anyway, wow. this morning, I'm this particular morning I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm just done. And I had just had a conversation with him a few days earlier. Like I'm done. I want to go home, pull out. We wow. we're just, you know what we're, I'm just, yep. we'll figure something else out. Yep. And so the Bible verse on my devotion that morning was something that as Christians, as people who have been in church most mm-hmm. of their lives or even all their lives, mm-hmm. they've heard this verse before. I mean, it's on every, you know, mm-hmm. uh, plaque at Hobby Lobby. Right, right. <laughs> you know, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. But in this devotion, it was talking about letting go of control, mm-hmm. letting go of the fight, letting wow. go of, 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 of all these things because of how little we actually control. Mm. And so the way that verse was translated that I had never really heard before or contemplated mm-hmm. was stop fighting wow. and know that I am God. And so right then, just all of this, all of this turmoil that over the few weeks, the several weeks before that I'm like all these memories coming to my head, all of this, disappointment, all of this hurt, all of this, Mm. you know, uh, feelings of abandonment and neglect and just all of this that had just got itself a nice pretty ball, you know, a Mm. a gift with a bow on it Mm. that the enemy kept trying to hand to me every time I would try to make progress in some area of my life that would make me revert back. Yeah. All of that just came to a head for me that morning. Mm. Stop fighting, Mary. It was like God was saying right then that that word out of every other page in that book, that was what that was the thing that he wanted me to see. Wow. Stop fighting. Depend on me. Keep your eyes on me. Mm-hmm. I love you. I have your best interest at heart. Mm. All of these other things and all of these other people who have disappointed you. Mm. That's not who I am. <clears throat> I got down on my knees mm. on the floor beside my bed and cried out to God and said, Mm. I I'm done fighting and every bit of my life that I've tried to control up to this point has Mm. led to destruction Mm. and it has been a lie from the enemy Mm. that my control over things that have hurt me has actually made me the person that I never wanted to be Mm. think the person and doing things and saying things that I always said that I wouldn't do. Mm. It caused so much bitterness and anger in me and so much upheaval that I started to do the exact things that I said that I would never be. And I just, I'm done with that. And you have led me through the fire Mm. 
and walked with me through this whole thing and you have been faithful you I just mm. started and, and so when I released that I just remember I was able to start just praising God wow. for all of the <clears> things <throat> that he just brought to my mind of like you know every step of the way of all these different things that he had brought me through that I wasn't even realizing at the time mm. just just um and we just don't have enough time yeah. for this on this podcast <laughs> to go into every single aspect of it yeah but he started bringing this this these memories to me of all the ways that he had provided all of the mountains that he had crumbled mm. i mean just just amazing things and i and, and that right there that that for me that solidification wow. of god's faithfulness in my life regardless of all the ridiculous mind-blowing hideous things that i had done along the way mm. and um, you know disobedience out of walking out of his will mm-hmm. for my life, he still showed himself faithful, wow. loving, and true. And that his deepest desire is that those that have been called, the, the ones who claim him as Savior, mm-hmm. are always called back mm. into the fold. Yeah. And that he rejoices over that when he is able to use a circumstance in your life Mm. that looks horrific and Mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. And some people would maybe say the worst case scenario possible and turn that for good. Mm. So I'm just curious. Did you realize before that, that that's what you were doing? Did you, did you have this conscious thought of, I'm fighting. I'm walls up. I'm knives out. Did you were you aware that was happening, or did that is that all of a sudden what came clear that morning to you? Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a small aspect to the fact that yes, I knew that I was I was tired mm-hmm. and fighting. Yeah. Um, but that moment in time on and yeah. uh. In, in, uh <clears throat> that I'm just mentioned. Yeah. I think that this epiphany, like it yeah. all came, that's what I was kind of like. It was a hundred percent clarity at that time. Yes. I never really gave it much thought before. Right. Um, yeah. Mm. So at that point, yeah, it was just a hundred percent clarity of like everything. It was like, God just opened up every aspect, mm. every sense, so to speak. Yeah. All my senses were just very in tune yep. with yep. all of these circumstances yep. along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So this past Sunday at church, uh, Lisa Mawinney talked about uh, a painful time in her life when she was a young child. And she said, mm-hmm. here as an yes. adult, she all of a sudden recognized I'd never grieved over that area. And she said she allowed Jesus to heal that little girl. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're talking about as well, that all these all these experiences from the past all came rushing forward, like a, a photo album you open up, I'm, I'm assuming, yes. and that Jesus meet you in every one of those scenarios mm-hmm. where you felt abandoned or hurt and he meets you there. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah. You know, and, and, and yes. Mm. And to, and, and I don't remember where we actually heard this, talked about it or anything like that, but where, when you invite Jesus mm-hmm. into those painful situations in your Mm -hmm. life where you're wounded, where you're 
seeking, you know, approval or, you know, whatever that, you know, whatever you're needing at that moment, comfort, right. whatever. <clears throat> when you ask Jesus to go into those moments with you, hmm. it changes everything because he heals those things individually. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can look at your circumstances in your life and put it in a big ball of just, you know, these circumstances that have just turned into this snowball, mm -hmm. but you, when you, you gotta, you've got to deal with the grief on individual levels. Yeah. You know, you, you, and so, yes, I absolutely believe that Jesus, you know, mm. bringing him into that, seeing his kindness and compassion yeah. towards me and yeah. in, in what I was going through and, and just the, the, everything that I felt from, from him, uh, just literally just beside me, just, I could feel his presence so deeply, especially on that morning. Yeah. And from that point forward, actually, wow. just, just so much peace, so much comfort. So yes, when you invite Jesus into those places, mm. you just feel the, the, you feel the healing, you feel yeah. the peace. <clears throat> so you get up from the floor that day mm -hmm. and walk out of that room different, right? What's different for you as you walk out? Man, I just felt joy. Mm. I felt joy in my heart. And even not though it's surface. a hyperthermia day, you're about to go into treatment. Yes. But I felt joy that was beyond the surface. Mm. You know, you can have a child and feel joy. Mm -hmm. You can have a moment of, you know, just whatever the thing that makes you happy at the moment, right. you can feel that joy. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between surface joy yeah. and why? Because that joy runs out. Yeah. But I felt joy deep in my heart mm. and my soul felt settled. My wow. spirit felt free and light. Wow. And it was like, and I hate to, you know, be cliche-ish, but mm. it was like, I literally had bricks on my shoulders wow. that just, I just, I just felt free. I felt that weight off of me, the fighting that I felt like I had to do. I now said it was just this, it was so clear to me, like God, God's got this. Wow. He's going to walk me through this yeah. regardless. Cause see, remember at the time I did not know about what the process, you know, I didn't know about my, yeah. what my healing <clears throat> physically, physical right. healing ultimately was going to end up being. Right. But at that moment I said, I trust you, God. Mm. And regardless of what the outcome of this physical, uh, ailment, is mm -hmm. I trust you. I know that you love me. I know that you have my best interest at heart. Wow. And I know and can feel what you're doing in my life. Ooh. Yeah. So James, do you see a difference when she walks out of the room that day? Oh yeah. Unrecognizable. Mm. Um, well, let me, let me back that, walk that back. Um, <clears throat> she was absolutely completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, we'd been married for 28 years at that point and had been through a lot together. And the lightness, the, the, f the freedom mm -hmm. was all over her. Mm. And, you know, I completely anticipated her to come drudging out of that yeah. room and get into hyperthermia, right. be worried and scared and all of that. Mm but still determined just to get through that because mm -hmm. she's never been one to really back down from a, from a fear. But, mm. um, she came out ready to go and just totally, totally different. Mm. 
it, it really took me back, but I knew something special had, had happened. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't really ask cause you know, that was kind of, I just knew it was between her and God. I knew God mm-hmm. was working, but mm-hmm. I was kind of in the dark and just kind of in an area of, of faith that yeah. everything would work out, that it would be accepted and he would be successful in mm-hmm. breaking through to her. Mm. And when she came out, I knew that he had. Wow. I didn't know what had happened. Didn't know the depth. Didn't of know it. the story behind yeah. it. Right. But uh, she came out completely different and really took me by surprise. Huh. In and, a good way. <laughs> yeah. And it shows up as, as she's going throughout her day. She walks oh, yeah. into the treatment it, center. We, <laughs> she walks into the treatment center and uh, she just starts having this. Uh, very direct interest in others there mm. and talking with them. And uh, there's some new people that have come in. Mm-hmm. I, I, one particular woman comes to mind who is really struggling because she was there and her children were in their early teens, 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And she was just beside herself with misery, mm. having had to leave them. Her husband couldn't stay with her. Mm-hmm. He had to go back and work. So she was Ooh. there by herself and Mary mm-hmm was instrumental in ministering to her and helping her remember why she was there for mm-hmm. those children, for mm-hmm. her husband. And it was amazing just to sit back and watch that wow. uh, unfold and uh, just beautiful, really beautiful, and talking yeah. with others and ministering to others. She became a light in the clinic. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I wanted to say, too, that, you know, I've, I've said this before in the um, testimony, and I won't repeat all of it, but, you know, it was very clear to me not too long after that, that, you know, so all these things are coming to the surface of like understanding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said before that, you know, God kept him quiet. Mm. And what I mean by that is just allowing for God to, to work in my life. Yeah. Um, so obviously he, needed to and I wanted him to be there with me through the treatment Mm -hmm. that would have been excruciatingly (laughs) lonely but you know I know now and I knew just within a few weeks after that point that this is the reason that God sent me here wow to just you know I knew no one there I mean just me and James right um I got to know people as the weeks went along but otherwise it was just him and I and God Mm. and God used all of those of that time Mm. to soften my heart, to minister to me, to help me to understand his love, his just great love for all of us, Mm. for, for, for me. And so with him, with him, being silenced and then being away from everyone and everything that I was comfortable with that, mm-hmm. that I would have any distractions that, that was that now I know of course wow. is the purpose of why these other yeah. places in the Metroplex weren't giving me any peace and nothing was really working out where, mm. where, you know, going to those places would, would work mm-hmm. out. He, I mean it, because you know, I mean, God knows he gave me my personality. He, yep. he you know, he knows yep. me and yep. he knows every fiber of my being <laughs> and he knows what was going to, what was going to get to me and what yeah. wasn't. And yeah. so, yeah. So you, you mentioned this idea, that's a truth from scripture that what, what the enemy even may mean for evil, God uses for yes. good. 
And we know that that comes from the story of Joseph where his brothers meant evil against him. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the story, he has the faith to say, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. So here you have all this, this struggle with cancer and the treatment plan. But from what I'm hearing you say, God is using this or has used this now to actually do a greater work that what might have been intended for evil has now been used for good. Mm-hmm. How has that played out now in your life? What is what is different now about your life as a result of that? What's, what's good today? Well, I'm going to say that the biggest thing, well, first of all, the peace, mm-hmm. you know, and people can overuse these words, but true peace Mm. and just feeling again light Mm. light lighthearted peaceful um confident Mm. confident in god confident in who i am how he sees me nice um confident that all of those things that the enemy Mm -hmm. was trying Mm -hmm. to use for evil mm-hmm. that see, cause God is, God's waiting for us yeah. to say, <clears throat> okay, God, um, you know, he's, he, he knows these things have happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's sin in the world. There's, mm-hmm. there's things that are going to happen that are just going to really stink mm-hmm. to each of us individually, um, based on our own actions or mm-hmm. someone else's actions towards us. Mm-hmm. But when we have the proper perspective and we are you know, and when we allow God to heal those areas of our lives yeah. and not let the enemy play his games yeah. and, 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 you know, follow through with his schemes yeah. and all the things that he tries to lie to us about, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we allow God, cause I did that and yeah. obviously. And so when we allow God though, to, to come into those areas of our life, all all things work out for good because yeah. there's, there's not a place. Listen, when Jesus gets into the situation, <laughs> everything changes yeah. and there is no, there is nothing that's not good about him. Mm. So if we allow God into our circumstances, mm. you know, I heard someone say once, um, it's a lot better for you to, instead of, praying your circumstances into God, have Mm. God prayed into your circumstances? Because a lot of times we will do the opposite of of that thing. You know, we're like, okay, God, here's this. Okay. No, no, Lord, can you please do something through this situation? Because it's very painful. It's, 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 it's hurtful. It's, uh, it's doing all these things inside of me. So I invite you in. Mm. Um, but yes. So back to the, you know, God absolutely used everything that the enemy in my life from the time I was a little girl, mm. planting those seeds inside of me through mm. all the experiences that I had. And in this moment, all of that rushing into this one moment in time, wow. God made all of that work out for my good yeah. because it ultimately, it brought me closer to him. Yeah. It, That's so good. And you've also talked about now you are much more aware of even the enemy's lies. Yes. And knowing how to resist yes. and shut those down. Talk about for just a moment of what is your thought process now 
when difficulty happens because this doesn't mean all of a sudden that life is flawless mm-hmm. and perfect. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but what do you, where, where do you turn now to uh, understand, counsel yourself mm-hmm. even about mm-hmm. life? You know, and through this year and a half process where I was at treatment and then we, when we got home, we didn't immediately get back in the church. It wasn't until May of this year that we started going to vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that wasn't even a decision, honestly, where we said we need to get back into church now. And then right. we started going to vertical. <clears throat> it was right. actually because his dad had that ceremony there. Mm-hmm. And then the next weekend was Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't against going to church at all, right. but I know again now that God had you know, got me home from treatment with a clear report Mm. and I was celebrating with my family. And so he still though, through this process, he is the, that year and a half, I guess really year that he was still working with me. He was still, uh, he was still molding me into who I needed to be to get to where I am right now, literally, yeah, sure. literally the podcast, the it's testimony, mm-hmm. all the things. Cause I had organically talked to people about my experience, not mm-hmm. only the physical aspects of it, but also the spiritual aspects of it over this last year and a half. Right. But you know, he, he, he was just preparing me along the way. So to answer your question and cause all that was important to say, yeah, right. He was teaching me through resources, through his word, through even prayer at mm-hmm. times, epiphanies that would come to me to when when satan comes to me when the enemy attacks me mm-hmm. with all the things that he's always tried to mm-hmm. manipulate me mm-hmm. with the difference in me now is that i immediately go to god in prayer nice. out loud yeah i tell him he's being a bully again yeah. this is the lies that he's trying to tell me that it goes directly against your word mm. and I'm going to start proclaiming these things out loud and I quote, you know, I quote the scriptures. Now, some of them, I don't even know by heart yet. I, you should see my mirror. (laughs) It looks like a big post-it board, (laughs) but let me tell you, it is there to remind me who I am, to remind me that the enemy will use every circumstance, every thought, every sometimes people in your life Mm -hmm. to get you back to the place Mm. that God delivered you from. Yeah. And this is very important. I also would like to say the main thing that I have learned through this last year and a half and then how to deal with the enemy's attacks is, like I said, immediately I go into prayer. Mm -hmm. I start quoting scriptures, promises that God has made over my life. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I say to myself, do not take counsel with your emotions as to whether or not a promise of God is true. Because once you start you see in the garden, that's how it started. Adam and Eve didn't go murder somebody. They didn't lie. They didn't do this or what, what, how, how did Satan get them to disobey? He had them questioning whether God's word was true or not. And that is true in every level of life. Mm -hmm. He, you know, it's like I've said before, you know, the, the enemy is not coming to you with a pitchfork and horns mm. and looking real, real ugly and mm-hmm. grotesque from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The beginning looks real nice and pretty and, yeah. and, 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 and enticing and 
And I don't just mean sin. I mean even the way that you think about yourself and you think about life and you think about the way God thinks about you. He's going to have you questioning God's promises over you. Mm. So the way that I have combated that now, what's different is that I immediately go to God about it and I tell the enemy and go back where he came from. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love that picture. Don't I, I don't take counsel with my emotions over a promise. That's uh, kind of need to pause on that for just a moment. Think about that because that's I, it's so natural. Like you said, like we yes. all do. I think is okay. We see a promise, read a promise, or hear a promise from Scripture, and we immediately start a little conversation. Yeah. And if we start it with our own natural emotions, we say things like, "Does that seem right? Does that feel right? You know, how would that?" Mm-hmm. How would I do that? And, and then you start, you start having that counsel. You're not going to end up with faith at the end of it. Right. And, you know, and I, I think that applies to so many things. Like, for instance, you know, like forgiving someone. Mm. Forgiving cannot be done on an emotion because yeah. our emotions will fail us every single time. We have to make a decision. Yes. I am forgiving this person because X, Y, and Z, whatever, you right. know, I'm for, I choose to yep. forgive. Yep. I choose to believe what God said about Mm -hmm. me because his word is true. Mm -hmm. So when you take counsel with your emotions about Mm -hmm. whether or not what the Bible says about you is true, well, that's dangerous. It is. Because our emotions fluctuate all the time from day to day in whatever circumstance we're in, whatever has happened to us that morning, how our kids are acting, how our husband's acting. And then all of a sudden, all the, or possibly past mistakes that you've made in your life. Yep. It is, it will fail us every time to depend on our emotions when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to God's promises. If God said it, it is true. And you have to literally brainwash yourself. I hate actually, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't use that word, (laughs) but you have to just repeat that to yourself all the time. Yeah. Uh, Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Exactly. That's That's a better word. (laughs) So (laughs) no, it's true though, because we we have to take counsel with our faith and with truth and not just with our emotions let let them catch up do their own thing when they get there but we can't take counsel from them no yeah absolutely not wow that's so good (laughs) and um, i'm sure now looking back at your life you see that's what i did oh my goodness that's what i did when i was hurt and i was rejected when i went through this trauma that's what you did but now you've got this shift radical shift that's happened Mm -hmm. and it started because of that moment of healing Mm -hmm. That God brought you through by bringing you to the end of yourself. That's a beautiful story, James. So, is she different today? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could say that. Uh, one very easy to easy, easily recognizable attribute in our home is is that wasn't necessarily there before, at least not to the level it is now. Is gratitude. Hmm. Uh, just recognizing God and everything, hmm. uh, you know, trust and faith that, you know, now that we've actually walked through and faced, you know, what, what the enemy meant for evil, God mm-hmm. meant for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just second nature to us now. We're actually first nature hmm. to just have gratitude and everything. Wow. And again, that's freedom and uh, a very light yoke. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very it's filled with joy, you know. Yeah. It's so much different. And uh man, I it's been a ride. Uh yeah. you know, I've been a passenger, but I've had a lot that has been 
that I that has been dealt with mm-hmm. spiritually in me as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade any experience that we've been through together uh, for where we are now. Yeah. So it's affected your relationship. Oh my you, goodness! Absolutely. You talk together. Yeah. Yeah. And, so what's you know. You hear it said many ways, uh, many times, uh, but once once the the intimacy in a relationship goes vertical between both spouses, mm-hmm. the intimacy in the in the relationship with your spouse mm-hmm. is just it's a dream. That's what every spouse dreams of the relationship they want to have with their wow. significant other and, and with their wife, their husband. Uh, if if you are not focused vertically first, mm. then you're just spitting in the wind. Yeah. Wow. Thank you both for Thank telling you. your story. Uh, I hurt for all you've walked through, but I'm I'm grateful for what God has done in healing and restoring. Absolutely. And um, Thank you. restoring what the years of the locust have taken yes. to a place of greater beauty than you would have ever even imagined. Yes. True. So, and it's not done. I don't. I know it's not. Yeah, over. Exactly. it's the exciting part. It's the yeah. exciting part is that I can't wait to see what else God is going to restore. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Well, thank you again, and I hope for everyone who is watching, listening, has been helpful for you. Uh, come join us at uh, Vertical. You can meet these two fine folks, and uh, and see what else God is doing here in our in our presence, and we're seeing others healed and changed, and their lives transformed. So. We will keep lifting them up and living them out.